What is up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Bird, the podcasting coach here, helping people to launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. And we find ourselves in an increasingly virtual world. And while it's so much easier for us to connect on a virtual level, since we have these groups, we have these social networks, and all these different things, we also have to connect on a personal level at these in-person events when you are on the stage speaking to an audience. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Profitable Public Speaking. Our guest who joins us today is one of America's top communication theorists and coaches. He is a passionate teacher who is committed to helping people find clarity in their thinking and ideas and then delivering them with panache. He has been commissioned by Fortune 50 companies to write for many CEOs and presidents. He has coached people to give congressional testimony to appear on the Today Show, and to deliver an unforgettable TED Talk. Quite the wide variety of appearances there. He has worked widely with political and educational leaders, and he himself has spoken at conferences, led conferences, and moderated panels at various venues around the world. Our guest who joins us for this episode of Profitable Public Speaking is none other than Nick Morgan. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be with you. Nick, I'm so happy to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast, and I think it's really important for us to think, how can we better communicate with people, connect with people when we are in this virtual world, and that whole like getting out of our computer, getting out of our home, and really going to these networking events, and being able to speak to people is such an important skill. I'm wondering, how has connecting with people been different uh, when we've been in this virtual world versus before the internet and all this stuff came around? Yeah, so it's really exploded in the last 10 years with the, with the mobile phone. I mean, that's when we really made this transition into the virtual world. But I mean, before that, we had email and, and people use that instead of paper uh, mail, but it was just seen as sort of a substitute, one for the other. Um, the, the real difference now is with social media and the, explosion of all the ways in which we can communicate virtually. Um, we spend about half our time now in that world and the other half of the time still doing face-to-face stuff. And of course, speakers are all about face-to-face. Um, although increasingly now we have webinars and, and, uh, and podcasts and all kinds of virtual ways to get the word out as well. So it's a complicated world we're living in. And there's a whole new set of rules and we don't really know what those are yet. We're still figuring those out. I think of it as a giant unregulated social experiment that started in earnest about 10 years ago. And we thought, hey, let's do this virtual thing and see how that works. And um, it's, uh, the answer is, uh, the answer to the question is, how is it working? Is not very well, really. There's some different rules in the virtual world that we have to learn. And we're not really very good at following them yet because we still communicate as if we were communicating face to face. And my, my favorite example of this is an email example. So when I'm talking to audiences about communicating the virtual world, I say, how many of you have sent an email to a colleague or if you are a boss to one of your employees, that's two words, great job, good job, nice job, something Mm -hmm. like that. Everybody raises their hands. Everybody sent that two-word email. And I said, and I bet you're thinking you're a nice person because you did that. 
just trying to encourage that other person, whoever it was. And everybody goes, yeah, I'm a nice person. And, and then I say, would it surprise you to learn that 60% of the time that email was taken as sarcastic? And there's this audible gasp from the audience. And, and people say, well, how could that be? How could you misunderstand that? And that's one of the first rules of the virtual world that we find hard to understand and hard to get. And that is that there's a negativity bias because the virtual world rules out or cuts out the emotional subtext that we're used to getting face to face. So if somebody comes up to you face to face and says, nice job, if they say it with a smile, then you take it as red. But if they look sarcastic and they say it with a sneer, nice job, then you know that they're actually giving you a dig. In the virtual world, we can't tell. Those two words don't convey that information. And so because we have a negativity bias for reasons we can talk about, but go back to our evolutionary beginnings, um, we assume the worst. And that's the sort of the beginning of the problem with the virtual world is that uh, we assume the worst in the virtual world and all that emotional context is missing. And so things get rapidly difficult very quickly. And I definitely get that because when you are reading an email, you can't hear the person's tone. You don't know if the person's like saying into the kind of way or yelling at you. And it could really, it's just based on how you take it. And as Nick mentions, if you have a negativity bias, then, you know, if it's not clear in your writing, uh, because, you know, in like an audio or video, like people can hear your tone, but in writing, if you know, it's not clear, people may take it as a negative bias, which, you know, is what we definitely lean towards. So how do you suggest we better communicate in writing that, oh, like, you know, like, nice job. Like, how do we expand on, like, you know, showing our tone and what we really mean in what we're saying? Yeah, so we have to get used to talking in a new way, which is putting all the emotion-laden words in that we kind of take for granted when we speak to somebody face-to-face. Um, a simple way to do it with a two-word email like nice job is with an emoji. And when I talk to people about emojis, everybody's over 35 gives me a funny look and says, emojis, those are kind of childish, aren't they? Um, and I say, just get over yourself. In the virtual world, we need them. Uh, and everybody under 35 is already using emojis, so not a problem. Uh, so uh, that's the first thing, is to start using uh, clues and, and, and indications in your communication that say, this is how I really feel about this. And if, if it's emojis, great. If it's not emojis, then use words like, I love this. I hate this. This is wonderful. Great job. Amazing. Incredible that you could do that. But also make sure that your, that your email or your written communication doesn't bear our sarcastic reading. So what I recommend to people to do when they send out an email that's really important is read it out loud to themselves in a sarcastic tone of voice. And if that makes sense, then you need to add more words mm -hmm. to clarify the meaning. And I like that practice of reading it to yourself because then you get to hear how you sound. Because again, like you want to read it in that negative, sarcastic way because that's how someone can interpret it. And if, as Nick mentioned, it, you know, it doesn't make sense to read it sarcastically, like you're kind of reaching to read it sarcastically, then that's going to be good 
for the person on the receiving end of that email, they're going to interpret it the way that you want them to interpret it. Now, going from like the virtual world to like being able to do networking events, being able to come on the stage as a public speaker, how can we communicate with that audience? Because I feel like we're so used to communicating with people online that sometimes it's a little harder for us to connect on a personal level. Yeah, so face-to-face, our our, uh, hard-won evolutionary wiring kicks in. So we learn how to, uh, and and we're hardwired to communicate face-to-face. We take for granted all those unconscious cues that we send people. So we make eye contact, we smile, we nod. Uh, In fact, learning how to talk to somebody is a job, if you think about it, most people don't think about it this way. It takes us about eight years to learn how to do that from the time we're a kid to about nine or 10 when we can actually do that fairly competently, right? You think about a conversation you have with kids, they go off on random topics, they don't make eye contact, they they don't pay attention. So it takes us actually a surprisingly long time to learn how to do that. Uh, And it becomes unconscious behavior. But people who want to be successful public speakers have to learn how to do that consciously. They have to learn how to be aware how they show up. How do they look? Uh, the old story that your, your mother used to say, or your grandmother used to say, are you happy? And you go, yeah, I'm happy, mom or grandma. Well, then tell your face. And, and what she's saying to you is you got a scowl on your face or, and it's, it's because you're not very self-aware, right? So um, learning how you show up, what you look like, what's the persona that you, um, that you create in front of other people? Is it, uh, is it a positive one? Is it a negative one? Is it sarcastic? Is it strong? Is it wishy-washy? Uh, you have to become self-conscious about that. I call that communicating with intent. Um, and that's really the focus of a lot of my work is helping people learn how to do that, to communicate with intent. So that when they show up on stage, the impression they create is the one they want to create rather than something else. And I really like that theme communicate with intent because it's easy to just go up on a stage and say, I'm going to talk about this topic. I'm going to teach people this topic. I'm going to uh, entertain people. And this is going to be the theme, but uh, having that clear intent in play uh, gets you more clear on your messaging, gets you more clear on what kind of stories you want to tell when you are on that stage and there's so many different intents we can have. And I mean, you can have like a, you know, a broad one, like, you know, provide value, but uh, then like going deeper into that really gets you to pick like, what is the best intent? What is the best like main focus for you being on that stage? And I'm wondering if you could share with us how we do figure out that main intent, that main focus for what we want to frame our talk around. Yeah, sure. So the, the research, suggests that there are two things that audiences care about more than anything else, which is uh, trust and credibility. That is, the audience wants to know, can I trust this speaker? Is this somebody who means what they say, who seems authentic, who seems real? Or does this person strike me as fake in some way? So can I trust this person? That's question number one. And question number two is, are they credible? Meaning, do they know what they're talking about? Um, And those are the two main questions that people ask. So when you're creating your own stage persona, when you're thinking about how I'm going to show up on stage, you need to think first about those two things. How am I going to create 
trust with the audience? How do I look like I'm sincere? Um, and how do I act sincerely? And the, the best way to do that, by the way, is to be sincere. <laughs> Faking it is hard <laughs> and not good for long-term success. Uh, and, and then how do I show up as credible? So how do I show that I know my stuff? Now, when you start thinking along those lines, you think, okay, so if I'm going to be credible, then that means I, I have to show up as an expert in my field, whatever that is. So that means I'm going to have to drop some statistics on these people or show I understand what's going on in that world. But I don't want to do too much because that gets boring very quickly. And it sounds pretentious if you, if you, uh, if you go on and on about statistics or the, the expertise in your field. So you have, to, you have to wear your learning lightly. But within that general phrase, there's a huge amount of variation. People need to find their own style within that. So it's all about be, figuring out how you can deliver value in terms of credibility within a wide range of possible styles. And the same with being trustworthy. So one of the biggest traps for speakers is, of course, that virtually everybody gets nervous when they're getting ready to give a speech. And that uh, surprisingly affects your uh, trustworthiness because if you show up as nervous, the audience doesn't think, oh, gee, this person is nervous. That means they must be trustworthy because they're an ordinary person and everybody gets nervous when they stand on stage. No, what people think instead is, oh, that person appears nervous. That's because they don't know what they're talking about. Hmm. And that's strangely, even if they speak themselves, that's the automatic assumption that audiences make. And so you have to figure out a way to show up despite your nervousness that gets across the fact that you're trustworthy. Now, there's a famous uh, speaker, a very successful speaker, an amazing TED Talk about being introverted, Susan Cain. And her TED Talk, which was incredibly successful, I recommend this to everybody, uh, begins with the admission that she's nervous. And so she gets around this problem by saying, I'm an introvert, I'm nervous. And it relates to her talk because she's talking about how introversion shows up. Um, now, Susan Cain's done that, so you can't pull the same trick as she did, sadly. Um, it won't work for everybody because people will think, oh, that's, she's just doing the Susan Cain thing. It's not original with you. But nonetheless, you want to think about along those lines, how can I make how I show up an integral part of my story or, or my talk? And so again, there's a wide range of possible things to think about and ways to approach it but you've got to figure out your own personal style within that and so th that's where it begins is figuring out how you can show up as trustworthy and how you can show up as credible uh, and if you can figure those two things out you're well on the way to be uh, to developing a good personal communication style which will work on stage I mean, trust and credibility, two things Nick brings up right away. I mean, I feel like we could all see how it's set. That, that's one of those things you know is essential, but you don't really think about those things or you don't really pay attention to how those things play out until they're brought into focus, like how Nick brought them into focus for us. And then it's just a matter of coming up with our different personal style because our personal style at the end of the day is really what separates us from other speakers. Like we could be speaking the same content, but that personal style is going to be the only thing that really separates us. I know, Nick, you have had a lot of really incredible clients, political leaders, 
educational leaders, uh, really successful business owners. I'm wondering if you could share with us what that kind of a layout looks like where you guide that client and you help them to crush their appearance. Yeah, so we start uh, paradoxically, perhaps. We always start with the audience. Who's your audience? Because you need to understand what's going on in the minds of your audience first. Um, and it's a bit of chicken and egg because as soon as you start talking about your audience and you start to understand them, then you say, well, here's how I could show up for them and here's what here's the message I have to bring. So it's not about changing your own inner personality to suit the audience. No, it's about understanding what the audience's um, issues are so that you can connect with them um, and you can find a way that's authentic to you to connect with that audience. And so uh, um, the, the first step really is understanding what's your audience's um, problem uh, or problems that, um, that I can help them solve. Uh, because if you don't know what that is, you're not ready to talk to them. I always say it's like going into a doctor's office. Um, if you go into a doctor's office and that doctor has a lot of expertise, um, even if it's the best throat doctor in the world, say you've got a sore throat, what you don't want is the doctor to start saying, here, take this pill, or I'm an expert, do this. You want him to listen to or her to listen to your problems first because you think your issues are unique and particular and doctor, my sore throat feels like this. And you want the doctor to go, Oh, I've seen that before. Here's how you're going to fix that. Here's mm -hmm. how we're going to cure that. So the audience like a patient wants to be heard first before you dump a solution on them, before you offer them the cure for their, their malady. And so that's what it means to understand your audience. So that's what, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. And you need to f figure out how your authentic message, the thing that you're passionate about, that you care about, will help that particular uh, audience or those audiences that you're going to talk to. So that's where it starts. I love that because, and you could even think about this like an elevator pitch or like the start of your speech because a lot of people are like, I am, I am, I am this, 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 and that. But if you think about who your audience is, like, you know, if, like, you know, a lot of people listening to this, they are public speakers. They're on their way to being successful public speakers that are trying to get started. Uh, framing the talk around that instead of just going into my, like, regular talk, like, you know, um, it doesn't matter if you're into public speaking. It doesn't matter if you want to get on podcast shows. It doesn't matter if you want to write a book. My, my talk is the same to you, but that's not the approach. You figure out who your audience is first, and then you figure out how do I lead into this talk while taking the person on a journey that's like, hey, this is who you are, and this is how my talk helps you. Yeah, um, speakers make three mistakes that I see over and over and over again. And it may help your audience to think about not making these three mistakes. Um, and that is in how they begin the talk. And I don't know where this comes from, but I've seen this, as I say, so many times that uh, the pattern is clear. So the first thing that many, many speakers do is they say, let me begin by telling you a little bit about myself. And then they go on and introduce themselves. Now you think, well, that's sort of polite to tell the audience who's up in front of them. But audiences, when they first sit down and get ready to hear a speech, they don't care about your biography. What they care about is what's in it for them. Like, what are they going to get out of this? And so that's what you need to tell them first. 
you need to answer the why. Why am I here for the audience? Why should I care about this? And then after that, if you've done a good job setting that up, saying, well, you've got this particular problem and I can help you with that, then they'll listen to who you are. Then you can establish your expertise. Even better, get somebody else to introduce you. And that's the way most speakers walk on stage. They've just been introduced. That's better. Then you don't have to talk about yourself at all. The second thing that people do is they give an agenda for what the talk's going to be about. Now, if you've got a workshop where you're going to talk to them all day, I'm all in favor of agendas. Tell them what's going to happen, when lunch is going to be, and when the breaks are, and that kind of thing. People need to know if it's a whole day. But if it's a 20-minute speech, TED Talk length, or a 45-minute speech, we don't need an agenda to get through that. We're grown-ups. We can last 45 minutes and give us a, give us a surprise or two. We don't need to be saying, all right, first few minutes, I'm going to talk about this. The next few minutes, I'm going to talk about this next few minutes I'm going to talk about that. We don't need that. And because I've seen the behavior now over and over again in audiences, if you do that, if you say, here's what I'm going to say and give them an agenda, what they do is they go for their mobile phones and they think, okay, this guy isn't, or this gal isn't really ready to say anything yet. We're just getting the agenda. So I can do a couple more text messages or a couple more emails before he or she really gets started. So the problem is, at that moment, that crucial moment, the beginning of the talk, if you start giving the audience an agenda, you'll lose them right from the start. And it's hard to get them back. So don't do that. That's mistake number two. Mistake number three is the chit-chat moment. And this is almost irresistible for speakers. It's because you're nervous. You're standing up there. You want to make a connection with the audience. And so you go, hey, anybody here from Idaho? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I grew up in Idaho. It's a great place. Um, And you have that kind of chit-chat where you're not telling the audience, again, why they're there and why it's important and why this topic is is, uh, necessary, exciting, and cool for them. You're just having chit-chat with the audience. Wasn't that great last night at the bar when we uh, talked about such and such? Well, when I push speakers on that and say, why are you starting with chit-chat? Why don't you just get right to the, the heart of the matter? They'll say, I'm trying to make the audience feel comfortable. And no, they're not. They're trying to make themselves feel comfortable. And I'm sorry to have to break this to them, but public speaking is not about feeling comfortable. It's about connecting with an audience. And you are going to feel uncomfortable, especially at first. And you're just going to have to deal with that. Because you cannot start a successful talk with just aimless chit-chat. I worked with a speaker once who's become very successful, I'm glad to say, um, and he called me up and, and said, I need some help getting my, my speech started. It seems to get off to a slow start. And I reviewed his tape. He spent 12 minutes at the beginning of the tape, uh, the beginning of the talk, doing chit-chat. Mm-hmm. 12 minutes out of 45. So I said to him, you know, that's, that's what, a quarter? Uh, a little more than a quarter of, of your entire talk is just completely wasted in chit-chat. And once he knew that, then he could start with something interesting, something important right at the beginning. made a huge difference. I mean, those are really rock-solid mistakes and a great breakdown for each of those mistakes. And, um, like, when it comes to introducing yourself, I mean, I've been to the events where the speaker has literally paid $10,000 to speak on that stage because that's just, like, they get to sell on the stage. And for all of those, like, 
it's an intro video. So it, it's really worth it if you in certain uh, situations where you can have someone else introduce you. So you can just go into your thing. I mean, uh, the insights Nick mentions are really spot on. And Nick is really just like, he's not sugarcoating. He's just going like deep into it. Like this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, speaking is not meant to be comfortable. It's meant about, the, you know, connecting. And that's like, uh, that's the true answer. And that just gives you a better insight into public speaking. Another way to get better insight on public speaking is to keep following Nick and all of his work. I mean, if you guys like this episode, I'm sure you'll enjoy continuing to follow Nick. So with that in mind, what are some good places we can go to continue following your work? Yeah, sure. So uh, my website is publicwords, with a D.com. And there's a ton of free information on there. My, my uh, blog, I'm old-fashioned. I still do a blog. Um, and it's, uh, um, been going now since 2007, I think. So wow. there's literally tons of, of, uh, free information on there, um, that, um, all you have to do is type in a search word, like how to do an introduction and you'll get a reply, uh, back. You'll get a, a blog post or two that will tell you how to do that. So uh, tons of information there. There are videos as well. I'm not completely, uh, uh, old fashioned. Um, and there's all uh, kinds of uh, ways to go deeper books that I've written, that sort of thing. So uh, dive into the website. That's the best way to connect. Well, Nick, we'll definitely have all those links in the show notes for all of you listening who want to just keep following Nick. But once again, thank you so much for coming on Profitable Public Speaking. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. That was a great pleasure. Thank you, Mark.